the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God rather than this world our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes. So keep pen and paper handy. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of God today? Amen. Good to see all the friends who came to visit and to worship with us. We appreciate your coming to this Bring a Friend Day. We've been on a series, and if the Lord wills, we will wrap up this series today. Uh, it's been coming from it, uh, John chapter 9, verse 4. It says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And again, we'll be preaching from the theme that we've been on all month. It's time to work. Do you not know that we are closer to the coming of Christ than ever before? And do you not know we are one day farther from the cradle and one day closer to the grave? As a matter of fact, if God were to reveal to you the actual time you had on this earth, I believe you would sense a tremendous urgency to hurry up and be about the Father's business. Here we are in a brand new year. God has crossed us over. He's answered many of our prayers. We're sitting here looking good and smelling good. But the question this morning to you is, what are you doing for God? And if I were to take a poll today, of how many of you know that you know you know the Lord and you, you have no doubts about it, I'm quite sure that many of you will raise your hand and if not, you can be saved by the end of this message. But the other question comes, if I were to ask you how many of you are serving because of your salvation experience, then not many hands may go up. You see, faith without works is what? And then you got some, some people, they, they come to church rarely, and you can't expect them to work because they're not here to work because you can't find them. And then you have others who frequent the church and perhaps faithful in attendance, but you can't get a dime worth of work out of them. 
And the question I pose to you this morning, why is it that many who have good church attendance do no work? And I'll take up where I left off the last time. Many do not work because of the fear of failure. They fear that they will fail. I'm just reiterating just a tidbit of last week, and we'll proceed. Many fear failure. Well, I don't know if I can do it good enough. Uh, I might get up before them and mess up, or I might miss a note, or I might get some feedback if I mess with that wire in the audiovisual ministry. I may cut somebody's head off. I may not handle a child right in the nursery. Let me tell you something. Listen, Satan will give you a million and one reasons why you ought not do something. Fear of failure. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. William Ward said, The greatest failure is the failure to try. Instead of fearing failure, why not use it to work for your own good? What should we do with failure? Well, A, I said last week we should learn from failure. If you learn from failure, you won't be failing so much. B, we need to grow from our failure. How many of you grew through your failures? And then C, teach others because of your failure. They need not go through what you go through if you teach others because of your failure. And then what is God doing in our failure? Now, sooner or later, all of us are going to fail at something. We're going all because none of us get it right all the time. Nobody's in here perfect. The only person perfect is Jesus Christ himself. So what is God doing in our failure? A, God often prepares us for success through failure. You see, folk who are successful, they're successful because they failed. They've tried and got it wrong, messed it up, lost money, uh, done a lot of things, uh, went in the red before they went in the black. It, they didn't just get where they got you know, got it right the first time, they, they failed their way to success in so, so many words. God often prepares us for success through our failures. B, we have a greater dependency upon the Lord because of our failure. Do you realize when you fail, you pray harder? If you think you're going to fail, you say, oh, God, help me. Those academic exams, those military exams, those physical exams, those tests, those promotional exams, those certifications, those licensure exams, those interviews, getting cut from a team, a failed relationship. Listen, you begin to cry to God when you see things going in the wrong direction. Failure keeps you on your knees. It's it's very humbling. And then D, uh, what's is seemingly failure to us and others is not failure to God at all. For he, the Lord God Almighty, is orchestrating our circumstances to do a new and greater thing in our lives. And so what seems like failure, uh, God is, is really may not be failure at all because God, is, God has a big picture and you look at the little slap, oh, I messed this up real good. But God said, I'm trying to get you somewhere. And if you hang on to me, uh, I'll show you where I'm trying to get you. Beloved, it is evil to hope for someone else to fail in order for you to gain. To fail for you to gain. Then uh, why is it that many frequent the church, good attendance in the church, but no work to show for in the church? It's because many do not work because of spiritual burnout. Uh, They need revival. You know, they are just worn out and tuck it out. 
and they need spiritual refreshment. And I just love that passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. It says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, some of you are tired, and you're worn. Seemingly, you take one step forward and two backwards. You look at your finances, it's a mess for some. Marital issues, children going astray, and Jesus give a divine invitation. Some of you have health issues. Some of you are at a crossroad, a critical crossroad. Some of you have a problem, and matter of fact, it's a massive problem. You're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with this? Well, let me tell you something. Jesus says, come unto me. What an invitation. You who are with the problem. Come. You who are hurting, come. You who've been betrayed, betrayed, come. You who are wearied, come. You who are trying to decide which thing to do or which way to go, God is saying, come. Come unto me. You're sick, come. You're in pain, come. You anticipating surgery? Come unto me. See, when you come to Jesus, he knows how to rest you. He knows how to refresh you. He knows how to revive you. Beloved, can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody do you like the Lord. Not only will God save those who come to him, he refreshes those who work for him. Unlike man, the Lord doesn't burden and weigh us down with more than we can bear. God knows how much we can bear and then adjust our yoke accordingly. Now, if you let man weigh you down, he'll kill you. Amen. He don't know your limits. Man will kill you. He'll stress you out. Listen, man, you're good for nothing if you try to live up to man's expectations. You better live up to God's expectation. God knows what you can bear. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows, he knows your energy level. He knows your circumstances. He knows where you are. He sees you when you're lonely. He knows when you've been betrayed. He knows. Oh, God knows. Anybody here knows he knows? I know that I know he knows. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Why is it that many frequent the church? Good church attendance, member of the church, but don't work. Well, you have Christians who are so in love with the things of the world that they cannot work. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, anything that you put before God is idolatry. It's idol worship. Any, anything you put before God. It could be yourself, your career, your personal business. Uh, it could be your pleasure. But be it known to you today, your pleasure is not God's priority. It could be a friend. It could be sports. It could be television. It could be the computer. It could be email. 
It could be sleep. It could be a schedule. It could be your children. You can make idols out of anything. Anything that you put ahead of God is idolatry. And God says that the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. Now, here's the new insight for living. That was just a brief review. And uh, now we'll proceed. Why is it that many uh, come to church, members of the church, and you'll see their faces all the time? They sit comfortably in the pew, and they'll even say amen, but they'll prance right out of here, and they'll bring that same old baggage into a new year. Number 11, many take comfort in their past spiritual accomplishments. That's why they can't work today. They take comfort in their past spiritual accomplishments. When it comes to God, it's all past tense. I used to. My mama used to bring me to Sunday school. I used to go to church. I used to be an usher. Oh, I took care of the babies. and I used to take care of the babies. I used to sing in the choir. I used to give to the church till that preacher made me mad. I used to. I used to. But God is asking you today, what are you doing for Jesus today? Yeah, he blessed you yesterday, and he's blessing you today. So what are you doing for God today? Why is it that many belong to the church but no work in the church? Many won't work because they have overextended sabbaticals. <laughs> oh, I'm not hollering. They have overextended sabbaticals. I praise God that he doesn't treat us like we treat him. Every time he say, well, why, why are you not in a choir? I'm on sabbatical. Why are you not in praise team? I'm on sabbatical. Why are you not giving to the building program? My pocketbook's on sabbatical. Everything's on sabbatical. What if God took a sabbatical from, from waking you up this morning? He said, you know what? I, I let you inhale and exhale every time. I think I'm going to go on a two-week sabbatical. Matter of fact, I'm going to take a sabbatical as long as you took one on me. Sabbatical. I'm so tired. Now, sabbatical has its place. Working folk they earn the right to have sabbaticals. And do, we do. This is a family-oriented church. You don't know how it was when I was in, when I, before I was pastor, when I was in Houston. Let me tell you how it was. See, y'all got it easy. I remember my Hurup Baptist Church on Grace Street. We had early morning service, 7.30. We ate breakfast. After breakfast, then it was Sunday school. It, the same, that he wanted the same crowd in the first service to be in the second service. You didn't have an option. Then you go home, grab a bite, then you got a 3 o'clock service. But, not, but, but, but now the 11 o'clock service didn't get out till about 2. <laughs> Somebody know what I'm talking about. See, some of y'all at Mary, y'all got spoiled. Y'all don't know how it used to be. Then you come back for 3 o'clock, and then you got BTU. Then after BTU, you got evening service. Amen. And evening service wasn't going to turn out till 9 to 9.30. I never will forget my good friend, Pastor and uh, he's pastor in Cudrow, Texas, uh, Pastor An Anthony Shelton. Uh, we were back over on, in the other, other facility uh, on, on Ritterman Plaza, 
And he came to preach for me in communion service. He said, he called me late that night. He said, Dre. I said, what? Man, you wouldn't believe it. You just believe it. I said, what happened? This is before he was pastor. He said, do you know y'all had communion at y'all church? I preached there, went to Southwest Airline, flew from, from San Antonio back to Houston, got my car, and went to Mount Horeb in time to take another communion. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, uh, and so, so it, it wasn't no such thing as a sabbatical. And then you had junior mission, and then you had this, and then you had the choir, then you had the, all these things all every night in the week. It was something to go to all the way up to Sunday. And guess what? We did it. We hung out. And, you know, it didn't even break us. Y'all can't barely come one day a week. And then look at your watch if we go five minutes over. Ministers are on Wednesday now, and you, some of you still struggle. What's wrong with you? When are you going to get off of your sabbatical? There are no rewards for sabbaticals. Amen. I move on. I think I made my point. <laughs> what, what happens when we fail to work? I'm transitioning. What happens when we fail to work? When you won't work, and you just say, I don't care how he preached. I, I ain't moving. I, I got my mind made up. Well, that's your, you're right. You're right. But I'm going to preach anyhow. Why? What happens when we fail to work? Number one, you become busybodies and a hindrance in the body of Christ. Non-working folk are devilish, devilish folk. You become a busybody and a hindrance in the body of Christ. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. That's why you need to work. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. That's critical that you turn there. It's in your Bible if you haven't torn that page out, Okay. You, you become busybodies busy and a hindrance of the body of Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, For we hear that there are some who walk, look, walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are what? Busybodies. Underline it. Busybodies. See, when you're not working for God, you end up getting yourself in trouble. Busybodies, because you're not working. Number two, what happens when we fail to work? Number two, you become sideline critics. You become side, say side, line critics. Nehemiah chapter four, verses one and two. Nehemiah chapter four, verses one and two, it says, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Sam Ballard and his crew was criticizing Nehemiah and the wall builders. Amen. 
they weren't part of the solution. They were part of the problem. Now, you know what? That's why we need to work. It's the non-working folk that see so much. Won't y'all say, oh, God help me. See everything. See too much. You're not working. I mean, listen, when you're working, you're so engaged in the Lord's work until you don't have time to have a critical spirit. I don't know why they put up that saying again. Look, look how she, she's splitting those verbs. What, what, what is he doing as worship leader? What a, man, I, they need to get that camera right. Look at that. Where's that? That noise go again. Listen to that, that feedback. Wait a minute. If you're that good, why don't you get your wire in your hand? Since you're know, you critiquing the soloist, why don't you get up there and show us how to sing on, on key? Amen? If the usher look mean, why don't you become an usher and start smiling? Amen? I mean, I mean, why don't you get up and do something? Well, come, come among us. Help! Help! We don't care what color the help is. We don't care how young the help is. We don't care how old the help is. You don't have to have a PhD to help. We just need somebody who knows the Lord, who's been born again, who's, who knows how, who's got an attitude adjustment from the Holy Ghost. It's kind of help we need. Amen? Amen. Sideline critics. Sideline critics. Number three, what happens when we fail to work? Satan has more time to mess with your mind when you're not preoccupied with a kingdom agenda. Satan has more time to mess with your mind when you're not preoccupied with the kingdom agenda. I love that old song that says, I woke up this morning with my mind. Y'all know that old song? Stay on Jesus. I'm walking and talking with my mind. Stay on Jesus. I like that old verse. Ain't no harm <laughs> to keep your mind. Stay on Jesus. That's, that's a kingdom mind. Kingdom minds carry out a kingdom agenda. Amen. Kingdom mind. You know, you know I mean, when you wake up, you're saying, what's up today, God? What's on, what's on your agenda for me today, God? What, what do you not want me to do today, today God? Amen. Oh, I, I mean, you just get That's a kingdom mind. A kingdom mind don't give itself over to satanic uh, doings. Then uh, uh, what, what happens when we fail to work? What happens when we fail to work? Number four, spiritual regression sets in, which results in dullness, laziness, and slothfulness. Spiritual regression sets in. When you don't work, you begin to regress spiritually, and you become dull and lazy and slothful. You no longer have power. You no longer have productivity, and you no longer have spiritual progression in your life. Yeah, I mean, your thinking goes down. You got a chip on your shoulder. Folks don't know how to talk to you because you're in regression. Uh, you're not productive. Spiritual regression does this, sets in dullness, laziness, and slothfulness. What happens when we fail to work? We become spiritually dysfunctional with nothing to offer God. You, you have nothing to offer God. And you were put here for the glory of God. 
You know what the chief end of man is, in the, as it states even in the Westminster Catechism, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God put you here not, not for you, but for him. It's not about you, it's about him. It is to glorify God in what you wear, the clothes you select. Even when I'm prepared, I say, Lord, what do you want me to put on? You know what? You ought to glorify God with your clothes. Amen. I don't just, I ask the Lord, what suit do you want me to wear today? He said, what? Yeah. Do you want, I don't wear all kind of pictures on me. Because whatever, it sends a message. God, is that representative of who you are? Is this a kingdom message or a secular message? Or is this confusing to who I am in you? Amen. How you wear your hair, what style of hair you wear, what you put on your body, what you put in your body, how long you wear your dress, how tight those pants are. Oh, listen, you ought to give God glory. Give him glory. You don't glorify him by gambling and drinking. Amen. And running around, playing around, messing with folk that ain't, ain't your wife or husband, can't stay home, in the streets, being married, living like you're single. You got a wife. Go home. Go home. Amen. We become spiritually dysfunctional with nothing to offer God. What do you have to offer God? And some of y'all can't work in the church because the world has worn you out. Where were you last night? You know, some folk got a double standard, you know, in strange places. Then you won't go to bed. And then some of you, I was at home. But listen, you can't look at television at 2 in the morning and be productive for God in worship. Huh? You can't just hang out. Listen, on Saturdays, I don't like going too many places unless I just have to. And the lady gets on Saturday, the closer I want to be to my house. I want to get ready for you. I don't want to be yawning on you and sleeping on you. The worst thing you can do is see a pastor sleeping in the pulpit. You know why some of them sleep? Because y'all already sleep. He just joins you. <laughs> he said, well, they sleep. I think I'll take me a nod, too. we have nothing because we become dysfunctional with nothing to offer God. Listen, number six, what happens when we fail to work? Your lack of work causes those who are faithful to work in the overload mode. Your lack of work causes those who are faithful to work, work in the overload mode. You know, we're killing some of these members. You sitting over there, all this energy doing your thing and the other person is about to have a heart attack because you, you sitting next to him ain't working. I wonder there's a person sitting next to you working. On the other side of you, in front of you, in back of you. I ain't gonna have you moving all around. Leave, leave your neighbors alone. Tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? 
If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.